Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we were lucky enough to interview Aidan Hunt from Bespoke Coachworks. Aidan is one of Australia's best fabricators and coach builders. Um, he's world renowned. Um, if you don't follow him, I'd highly suggest jumping on Bespoke Coachworks, checking out his work. Um, we had a great time chatting with Aidan. We got to pick his brain. He's um, one of the good guys. He's, he's definitely super knowledgeable. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He's just started his own business, so I appreciate him coming on, taking some time out of his day when I know it's super busy time for him. So thanks to Aiden for coming on, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. So welcome to the show, the one and only Aiden Hunt um, from Bespoke's Coachworks, one of Australia's best, if not one of the best in the world, um, coach builders. How are you, bud? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, first fabricator on the show, and um, I'm I'm glad we got managed to get someone of your caliper. Yeah, nice, nice to be here. So the name bespoke. It's um, I googled it. It's it's made for a particular customer or user. That where does where does that come from? Uh, yeah, it's just that really. Um, I sort of always um, I've always enjoyed. I, I think it's a I think it's a great sounding word for one. You know and it's always been known for, especially in a lot of, um, I guess, the fashion industry and like bespoke suits and all that sort of stuff. And and I think it's just that it's it's custom made, it's one off, um, and that's the sort of work that I, you know, aim to do. I try to do, you know, try to step outside the what everyone else is doing. Um, and and I think that's yeah, bespoke just sort of is that is that word. So um, yeah, I just thought it was a perfect fit, really. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, I do appreciate you coming on. I, I do realize you're super busy at the moment. Those that are following uh, Aiden's journey, he's just got the keys to the new workshop. Do you want to tell everyone what's been going on? Yeah. So um, yeah. So I started the shop um, back in back in August, um, and I just I had just been working at one of my like my client's um, property at his like at his house. Um, so I've only been working on the one on the one car, um, you know, just saving up cash to, to be able to get the shop. And then, um, yeah, on Friday, um, I took the keys and, and started, you know, went in, there was a bit of a mess. So I went in and got the shop, you know, got shop floor, shop floor painted and the walls and, you know, the logo on the wall and stuff like that. And then, yeah, went up and got all my new machines, went to my old workshop, um, lucky speed shop that I used to, used to work at that I, you know, still had a couple of my, like my English wheel and power hammer and stuff there. So went and picked all that up and yeah, I've just, uh, you know, the last couple of days has just been eight, eight till midnight, you know, painting, folding things down, organizing, you know, just getting the shop ready to, you know, to get into it. I've had, I've had two customers cars show up. Um, yeah, just basically lining up, getting ready to, to hit it hard in then you know, sort of next week or so. Yeah, it's awesome. That's a, that's a good accomplishment. So, Obviously, equipment-wise, for for someone doing coach building, the equipment can be pretty expensive. Did you already have equipment, or did have um, you, yeah? I had a bit. I had a bit. Um, I had I had a bit. Um, I like I had a power hammer, I had English English wheel, and a shrinker stretcher. Um, I use all all um, machinery house like metal master tools. Um, and I've got a like a little bit of a partnership going on with them. Um, where like we're working together to help. Um, sort of, you know, help develop their machines. Um, sort of trying to get them, you know, sort of higher into the higher sort of professional market. 
you know, like especially with their new English wheel and trinker stretches and their new power hammer. And they've got a couple of other things that we're working on together um, to bring to market. So, um, yeah, I've, I've got to, was lucky enough to sort of, yeah, sort of hook up with them as a bit of a sponsor and, and you know, we're working together and, you know, they've, you know, hooked me up with some machines and, um, yeah, pretty, pretty lucky to be able to sort of be in the position that I, uh, that I am, you know, being able to sort of start with with all the gear that I need. Um, but yes, it's definitely you definitely you need a lot. It's sort of, uh, I guess it's you can do you can do stuff with very little. Um, but it's always nicer having having the tools to you know um, just make life easier. Yeah. What What yeah. would you say if you could name say five pieces of equipment for someone who was going to start out? Five essential pieces of equipment. Um, yep, so, oh, um, you definitely need, you definitely, like, as in terms of bigger equipment, you definitely need a TIG welder, or, or, you know, I guess if you want to go old school and go oxyacetylene, head lean, but I'd just say a TIG, um, you need, I'd say you need an English wheel, um, you need a sandbag and a mallet, um, and I mean, with those, you can get, you can get the basic stuff done, but then if you want to, you know, do more panels and you need things like, you know, a reciprocating hammer to be able to do like bead lines and stuff like that. Um, yeah, like, uh, like, and that's not an essential thing, but it's definitely not a nice to have, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to have more skill to be able to use less stuff. Um, yeah, so sure. it, it is hard to, you know, it is, it is hard to do high quality work um with with minimal tools because you've got to have more skill to do it um the tools obviously make things a lot easier for you um you don't have to work as hard um yeah so it's it's things like that you know you need a good set of tin snips you need a good set of hammer and dollies um yeah i suppose you could you can use say you got a bead roller you can put a tipping wheel on and and bend a flange or something like that yeah exactly there's a lot you can get like you know you don't necessarily need folders and even guillotines and stuff like that you know you can cut things with a grinder and then snips and or air shears and stuff like that um yeah you can do a lot of like a lot of corking like you know you can cork lines and you know with a with a chisel and a hammer into a sandbag or something so there's there is definitely a lot you can do with mineral but like i said you need you do need a little bit more skill to um to do it like that um yeah and you touched on welder, so TIG welder. You you'll TIG hundred percent all the time, everything. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I only use a MIG welder really for um to do to do a plug weld if I need if I need to plug weld like say a floor pan that a spot welder or something can't get to. And um, the MIG welder is a good distributor for my TIG wire. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you yeah. you so you run MIG wire um That's for my your TIG. TIG okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And uh, do you have a welder recommendation? Um, I use SIG, I use SIG, uh, SIG weld um, welders. Um, yeah, the, I've, I've used I've used SIG I've used SIG weld MIGs pretty much, pretty much ever since I was an apprentice. Um, and and same thing. I'm there. Like we're sort of starting to work together as well. Um, but yeah, um, SIG weld. They're, they're you can get like their real baseline 
sort of welder um, that's still high frequency start and all that sort of stuff and will do most sheet metal work. Like they're, they're a good, you know, entry level. You can get a good entry level welder all the way up to like the, you know, the real high end um, water cooled type welders as well. So, you know, they've got a bit of, bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, are you doing a lot of uh, aluminium stuff because you're doing the coach building? Um, yeah, you can you can do. It just obviously it varies on the car, um, just depending on on. Usually, a lot of the European cars will um, will use aluminium, um, at least aluminium bolt-ons. Um, so so yeah, alloy is definitely involved involved, and obviously you need to have an ACDC welder to be able to do both alloy and steel. Yep. Yeah. Um, I sort of jumped ahead at the beginning. Did you did you want to brush back? And for those who yeah. don't know who you are, do you want to um, tell everyone how you got in the industry? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I just started as an apprentice, uh, smash like in smash repair, uh, a panel beater. Um, I worked in a shop here in Canberra, um, and you know a big sort of production like seventy cars a week um, type deal. I was there for. Um, about two and a half years after when you become a second year um, in that particular shop, they used to pretty much send you off, not at, like not as a tradesman, but you used to step away from your tradesman and then just the shop foreman would watch over you. So like they tried to get you fairly competent in the first two years where then you sort of, I guess, were making more money for the shop. Um, and I sort of felt that I would st- like, I still felt that I needed, like not that I wasn't, I couldn't do anything, but I just felt, that an apprentice needs more tutelage than that. Um, so I went to a smaller, like one of the panel beaters that worked at that big shop was starting his own. Um, and he asked me to come and be his apprentice. So, um, and I thought that that would be a good, uh, you know, just small shop. I'd have more one-on-one time. He was real big on, you know, instead of easy beating, repairing, like he'd rather repair things with a hammer and dolly. And so I just thought I would learn more. Um, so I went there um, for the last year and a bit because I finished my apprenticeship in just over three years. Um, so I, I finished off my finished off my trade there with him, and I was only I was probably only at the shop for maybe I don't know a month or two as an as a tradesman, and then I left because um, I always wanted to get into the custom industry. So I moved up to downtown customs in Tari, um, and you know helped. Um, helped build like the the Sharp HQ and the Refined FC, and um, I worked a little bit on the Green HT. That not long um, was on the cover of Street Machine, um, and then yeah, I fi- I finished up there. Um, I spent almost four, just under four years there, um, and then I got out of the industry for a little bit. I was just a little bit, a um, little bit burnt out um, with with it all. And I don't, I don't know where it was. I just lost a little bit of love for the industry. Um, so I started, I moved back to Canberra. Um, that we had family and stuff. Like my parents are just down the road in, in like 45 minutes down the road. And my partner's parents were, had moved back to Canberra. So, um, we come back here and we, and in the meantime, you know, we had had a child. We were pregnant, like, you know, my partner was pregnant with our second child and we just thought it'd be, you know, just a better place to raise the kids, um, you know, having nice schools and, and all the rest of it instead of being in a small country town. Um, so we come back here and I, and I had I spent two and a half years out of the industry. Um, then I just thought, you know, I was just talking to the missus and just thought, oh, I'd like to get back into it. Um, so I went to 
um, a shop in Queanbeyan, um, which is just just next. It's basically a suburb of Canberra, almost um, called Real Steel, um, and they do they do a lot of like Porsches and like three five sixes and stuff like that. Um, so I was there for I was there for about nine months. I was about six months. I was on six months of, of actually working, and then I needed to take a break because our other business was um, going through some admin changes that I needed to be on full time. And I said to him, you know, is it cool if I have three months off? Um, you know, I explained the situation. I wasn't getting paid or anything for it, obviously. Um, and they said, yeah, great, no worries. Um, I took the three months off, called them after the three months, and they said that there was no, you know, I didn't have a job there anymore. Um, so I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Um, and then in that space of that time, Lucky Speed Shop um, had moved from Sydney to Canberra. And he had heard that I was a, a free agent, I guess you could say, and um, called me instantly. Um, I, I had a call with him, I think, on Tuesday night at 7.30 or something. He was like, oh, you know, we've got this sick Bentley project and stuff that I want you to, you know, be involved with and, you know, come in and see me tomorrow. I will come in and saw him the next day and I walked out, you know, with a full-time job starting the next day. Um, and then, yeah, I was there for there for... There for going on two years would have just been if November last year would have been two years um, and yeah and then, and then I obviously started started bespoke so yeah that's it <laughs> that's that's the history so the Bentley that's uh, you did the Bentley at, at Lucky's that's at Lucky's. that's yeah. um that kind of went worldwide do you want to talk, yeah. talk us through that one that's a got large yeah yeah um, yeah, so, okay, so for anyone that hasn't seen it, it's a 1956 uh, S1, um, just a standard body. It's it's not a coach-built car. Well, it wasn't a coach-built car. It was just a, a run-of-the-mill type deal. Um, ben, like, um, ben from Lucky's had already had it um, painted before. Um, it was it was painted going into a – I think it was painted by a previous shop and going into assembly and then – the customer wanted more horsepower because some of his mates in the Bentley club had more horsepower than what he had. So he decided to up the horsepower and as they were doing some things, they noticed some rust and, and then it sort of sat for a little bit. And then he, I think Ben had seen something like a, a concept of, of a two door, like it was just a Photoshop type deal of a two door um, with a roof chop. And he showed that to the client. The client was like, yeah, cool, let's do that. So he ripped the car back to bare metal um, and then they chopped the roof. And I, and I showed up with the with the, the car. Was, it was chopped. It wasn't welded together or anything. It was just chopped and, and moved down and clackoed back together. And, yeah, then from then on, Ben basically just said, look, you know, we, we want to move the pillar back a little bit. So sort of play around with that. Um, this, is what we're, this is what we roughly think. Um so then it started. It was so it was that cars and all their um, same thing. They're all alloy body because they're so big and heavy. They're all alloy bolt-ons, and um, so I needed to make a steel. I had to make us make a steel rear quarter. That, that's where I started because then I could set my pillar. Um, so I made the I made the rear quarter, made the sail panel area, um, so the seat like the seat pillar, um, and then and then that sort of. You know, we really we just really liked the look of, of how that was going, and then you know we needed to make a new door, um, and we're going to we just decided to go with steel um, because we would have had to 
you know, just playing around with their old alley door frame and all that sort of stuff would have just been a bit of a mess. So we we're just like, we'll just make a steel door completely. We wanted to suicide the doors as well. So we just went, you know, steel, we can go bigger, bulkier, heavier and just run steel hinges and all that sort of stuff. So made a steel door in the in the term when I was making the steel, um, the steel door skin, I corrected some of the shut lines and stuff, you know, just radius corners. And they've got a bit of a funny bit at the A-pillar that I just cleaned up. Um, cleaned up heaps. Um, so then we had the then we had the door hung. We had the we had the quarter. We had the sail panel, so you could just see the, how the side concept was developing. Um, we moved on to the back section a little bit. Um, so we had the the boot lid. They're very big and like sort of real bulbous, like kind of like a, a whale head, but at the back um, on those Bentleys, and that just wasn't you know just wasn't flying. So we pancaked pancaked the the a little bit um and then it was still sort of pretty bulky at the back so we lent that over a little, like a little bit as well so we sort of dropped it down probably an inch took it like sort of an inch out of shape out of the top side and then out of the sort of more vertical side we laid that over about an inch as well um so i had to remake a you know remake a boot skin for that um once i had that all made and then i was just standing looking at the car for a little bit um ben was out of the shop and I was just like noticing some of the highlight lines between like just correlation between the, like the highlight lines of the, the bottom of the reverse and the top of the new, new boot panel that I had made and just something wasn't flying with me. So I just gave him a call and said, Hey, look, there's a problem with this car that I'm not happy with. I just want to make a little bit of a quick change. And he just goes, yeah, cool. No worries. Just, just do it. I trust you. So I got, just got the sawzall out and hacked half an inch out of the back of the, um, like the the rear sort of cowl area between the the boot and the rear window um just to let, lay it over forward and give it more of a um a little bit more of like a fastback looking um sort of style and and and, and you know it, it worked out really nice so that was cool um then we moved on to the front guards we we, we put the, the original front guards on there and they just looked like shit they were really um really rusty so they needed a lot of repair and then they had a lot of, they just had like this big like egg shape um, across the main sort of pontoon. Um, and I just wasn't liking that. And, I, and at the time I was spending a lot of time looking at a lot of the old coach built cars, say like by James Young or Park Ward. Um, and they like in the continental, they, they put a peak down like a fading peak through that center pontoon. And I was like, well, that'd be pretty cool. And then as I was thinking about that, I was like, sort of spoke to Ben and we sort of come up with a concept that it'd be cool that if like to build this car as if like say the Bentley in the Bentley design studio in the fifties, they, you know, the continental design team and the, and the, you know, the four door saloon type design team got together and built like a, they, you know, they in the lunchroom or something just drew a picture on a napkin and they, this is what they come up with type thing. So um, so then we, from, from there, we're like, all right, cool. We've got to do so much rust on this rust repairs on this car. I mean, on this guard, let's just remake the guard. Um, so, you know, I, we cut the headlight out because I liked how that car, that could have had a really nice reverse curve through that whole panel. And the headlight was just interrupting that whole situation. So we cut all that out, just built this really, like really cool guard, created all this like really nice shapes. Um, the bonnet, we decided to one-piece it because it was a piano hinge style, like in the centre um, bonnet. So we 
one piece that I gave that a bit of a peek just to give it a little bit more interest because it was a real flat sort of looking bonnet. Um, we shortened the guard up and and sort of welded that section onto the front of the I'm uh, not the guard sorry the the grill. We shortened the grill, made a smaller, more slimline grill because it was very big and heavy, um, and we welded what would sort of that we took that material and put it on the on the edge of the bonnet so it gave the bonnet more instead of just being like a real flat cut at the front it had more of a it had radius corners and it just looked a lot nicer um so yeah then so that's that's one side of the car completely developed um except for bumpers so we just we made some custom bumpers for it um that the front bumper's wild it, it takes the whole reverse curve of the if anyone's hasn't seen it have a look at my instagram and and check that out because it's a it's a pretty crazy piece of metal um so yeah the grill the grill was all handmade bumpers are all handmade the the only part i haven't made for the car is the center of the roof um the rest of it's all been completely remade because we ended up moving to the back down the rear bumper and and i remade the lower quarters for the back as well just to deepen them and just make them look a little bit nicer Oh yeah, that's I re- remade the rear quarters because we remade the sill. We made the we shortened the sill 100 mil because it used to be like 160. It was just too big and heavy, so we actually extended the door skins lower. Um, I think about 40 mil lower, um, and then made the made the um, the sill panel shorter, um, just to just to even up the proportions a little bit. Um, same deal with the front guard. I, I evened up a lot of the proportions and stuff in in doing that. Um, just changing the wheel arch opening and, and just moving a couple of lines around and all that sort of stuff. So that, so yeah, we remade the rear quarters to to sort of suit the lower um, sill panel. Um, so yeah, by the by the end of it, we've got a completely one-off coach-built bespoke Bentley um, that I've still got to I've still got to finish off. Um, although I'm not working at Lucky's anymore, I'm, they're going to send me the, the body of the car to, you know, build all the inner, inner frame, because like, I've still got to build inner doors, inner boot frame, inner bonnet frame, you know, engine bay sheet metal, all the rest of it, and weld all the pieces together. So um, it's still got a heap, to, a heap of work to go, but yeah. <laughs> that's cool that they're still going to let you finish that build. You're so invested in it. Yeah, that's right. Me, me and Ben have got a, a really good relationship. He's, he's been amazing. Um, so... And, and, yeah, he was sort of like, there's no other person we'd really want to do this, like, you know, do this car with. So, um, yeah, that, they will take on. It's got a W. Um, it's got a W16 um, motor out of the modern Continental. Um, I think it's a 2012 model Continental or something that we have the motor out of. Um, and it's going to be, like, you know, 800 horsepower twin turbo sort of deal. So they'll, they'll, they'll mount the motor into the chassis and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll build the body for them. Um, and then they'll probably, you know, just finish off the body work and paint. Maybe I might help out with the body work, but we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, so, so he's keen to sort of continue collaborating on the car. He's just that sort of guy. Um, even though I left, he still wanted, he still wants me to be somewhat part of the team there. Um, but yeah. Did they end up using the original chassis of that vehicle? It has got an original chassis. Um, it's got a Scott Hot Rod front end in it, um, and it's the rear suspension's been modified as well. I think it's got nine inch and um, you know coilovers and stuff in the back, um, but it still has got the original um, the original chassis. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and they're real weird. They're like a like a I think it's like two mil um, sheet metal um, sort of chassis, but it's so rigid. Um, it's just a weird like crazy 
like double box type construction. It's made out of real, like you can hear how thin the metal is, but it's super rigid. So, yeah, I so don't know. Good, good engineering behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you use, like, so you've made one profile of the card, are you using any CAD or anything to help you on to print off for the following other side? No, so I made, I've already made the other side as well. I've made, like, I've done the whole car. Um, I just done, I just use flexible shape patterns. So um, a guy in America, in uh, Massachusetts, uh, Ray Shaleen um, from Pro Shaper, he has like this flexible shape pattern um, method where it's basically, the flexible shape pattern is basically a buck. So you're using, you're using some, your low stick tape and a fiberglass tape um, to basically, you, you lay that on the panel that you've already created with, along with like, you know, profile lines. Um, and then I create, I think he just uses cardboard, but I create um, the profiles out of like ABS plastic. Um, so like say every 100 mil along the panel, um, like horizontally and vertically, I'll have um, have lines drawn, like lasered lays on and drawn, and then I'll make profiles of those parts of the panel. And then, so that's the form of the panel. And then the, the, the flexible shape pattern is the, is all the shape of the panel so like where where to shrink where to stretch all that sort of stuff so when you're creating your new panel on the other side you can flip that tape inside out lay it on your new panel and it will be floppy in the areas that aren't right so if you need to shrink an area up or you need to stretch an area more it will you know so once you've got that tape sitting nicely on the panel you know that you've got enough you've got the right shape in the panel and then it's a matter of making the profiles fit so um it's a good way to sort of recreate a part without having the actual part as well um and also too because like bucks are cool um like the you know the station bucks they're really they're really cool they look great but you know if you're building a whole shop full of cars um you know you're gonna take up a lot of space real quick so um the flexible shape pattern's easy to you know store away on the shelf and it takes up no room so um yeah yeah that's a cool method um so have you had much to do with like say a wooden buck or a wire buck are the is this your new preferred method um i've done i've done a couple of things over a wooden buck not heaps um just the car just whatever particular car i've worked on i've never really had to do a wooden buck because you know they can take a lot of time if i am looking to you know bring um 3d scanning sort of technology into the shop um then that will allow me to create bucks and, and all that sort of stuff um you know sort of rapid prototype a little bit faster because i do think it is a great way to do it um plus it just looks it looks great and you know when you've got potential clients walking into a shop and they're seeing you know something shaped over a buck or something like that it can be a lot more attractive than you know that, that it's just it's more appealing to them than what a flexible shape pattern may be um but the flexible shape pattern's fast. You know, if you have to hand cut a buck, it takes ages. Um, for the boot skin of the Bentley, I, I made a buck. I, I made a buck. I made a buck for. So I got the original boot and just chopped it all up and taped it all together, and then made a buck for that half, and then flipped it around and made. And then, you know, so I, I made half a buck, and it took, you know, there was a fair few days in in doing all that. Um, where a flexible shape pattern, you make it in a day. And you and you're ready to go. So um, time-wise, a flexible shape pattern can be really good. But if you can get something, you know, scanned and then CNC'd, you know, when you're not even it's not even in the shop, you're just farming it out to someone else. 
um, that's also obviously that's a method that I want to pursue as well. Yeah, the boys at Downtown have um, they run CAD, don't they? Or yeah, he does a lot of solid. Uh, Graham does a lot of solid works. Um, he does a lot of solid work stuff. I've seen a couple. They've had a couple of things scanned. Um, so they're starting to move into a lot of that stuff. Most of the stuff they're scanning is so they can do their their chassis, you know, put the chassis under the things. Um, yeah. Right. And you touch said um, before that you may help out with the body work on the Bentley, so you you still keep your hand on a bit of filler work or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally cool with doing that sort of stuff. Um, uh, like I learnt... Um, to do like fill out like with Pete um, Lamb from Melamotive, um, using splines and stuff. So when we were doing the FC, um, Pete come up and stayed at my house um, like three or four days every like two weeks or something when we were doing the FC. So he was helping us with the bodywork and teaching us like you know how to use splines and and all about surface and all that sort of stuff. So that's still like really is very intriguing to me. You know, just trying to take take it to that next level. I'm not all about like it has to be perfectly metal finished and stuff because I think it's all just bullshit anyway. Um, I just think that all cars, all like top level cars need filler because it just can't be achieved in metal. And also too, it's not realistic budget wise. You know, if you were to really chase it in metal, you just, yeah, it's, it's just taken forever. And like, you know, sort of metal's a little bit like, a little bit like a wave. Like if you're trying to chase you know, one tiny little area and you stretch that tiny little area, it's going to drag the surrounding material with it, you know, so you're going to have that, you're going to create a high spot, not only in the area that you list, um, say you raise the area that you wanted to one millimetre, well, the, the surrounding sort of, you know, 100 mil circle might raise, you know, 0.5, 0.2 of a millimetre as well. So you're raising that whole area because that's just the nature of the pro- of, of the material of metal. So but with body filler or a polyester or something like that, if you've got a high spot, you know, and you run a, a block over that, you might, you're going to just, you're cutting through it instead of, you know, pulling the metal with, uh, you know, if you were to, so I just believe that body filler and, and polyester is the way to get that ultimate, you know, the ultimate sort of finish. Yeah. I think I've, you touched on another podcast. There's only, there's only three things metal can do, right? Uh, basically, yeah, there's three, four, like, three functions basically um you can well i I guess there's four but you can so you can shrink it you can stretch it you can bend it so bending it would be um you know putting it in a folder um rolling it bending it over your knee and then and technically you can cut it but i don't i don't really add like i don't really keep cutting or you know that in the in the room i just sort of say three so so that just breaks it and then that and that breaks it down to two categories which is shape and inform and form is the bending function so something that's not changing if you've got a 300 by 300 square piece of metal if you bend it over your knee you're not change you're not creating any more material it's still 300 by 300 it's just bent and then if you fold it same deal you roll it same deal but if you start putting it through the english wheel you know if you were to flatten that piece out it's no longer 300 by 300 same thing if you're shrinking an edge or something like that so shaping is shrinking stretching forming is bending folding rolling all that sort of stuff um once you focus on those two aspects um it it breaks it down quite easily i think yeah so let's say you're um you're doing a you've you've made a panel you're making that out of say what 1.2 mil or something Point nine. Uh, point nine. Point nine. Yeah, point nine five. Yeah. So, 
is it realistic then to say could you metal finish a car that would not require require body filler or you think you would have to file too much off that that there'd be not enough mill thickness left look you can you can definitely file finish the car and send it straight to polyester and and paint of course you can but it's not going to be the same level as if you do poly uh fill up polyester and paint you know like it's just it depends on what level you're trying to achieve you know you you just i guarantee you you like if you're if you're starting to work in microns you know, like you're trying to get things micron perfect or like, you know, within 0.1 of a millimetre when it comes to gaps and all that sort of stuff, you're not doing that with metal. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen a car out there. Um, Pete Lamb has a, like he had a saying said to me and he was like, show me the best metal worked car in the world and I'll show you where to put filler in it. <laughs> you know, like that's just, yeah, it's just the reality, I, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think we were all naive at one stage thinking that, Potentially, you could metal finish a car, but um... yeah, hundred percent. Like you can metal finish a repair. Like if you're if you're doing smash repair, I've file finished a million quarter panels. You know, like and and they go straight to just you know putty and paint. But that's not a whole car. That's not you know gaps. That's not panel to panel alignment. All that sort of stuff. You need you need filler it like in and and you know that's that's it's there's a big difference to between repairing uh you know. 200 by 100 millimeter repair compared to scratch making an entire quarter panel that's you know 1.8 meters long or something like that it's it's very different you know where you've got well like butt welded tick joins and all this sort of stuff would you have a would you have a much better chance on a coach built car rather than someone say you're restoring i don't know for instance an hq or something to to not get um to not put filler in it yeah um, yeah, I guess it, uh, it's still, it's still, I guess it all comes down to the level of finish you want to achieve. Like if you're trying to push, say like top, say Motor X or, or Riddler or, or like, you know, you're, ch- you're chasing really elite level, like perfectly surface. If you're, if you're, if you're chasing cert, like, you know, top surface instead of just like, is that panel straight? You know, if you're chasing, like, if you're trying to chase, you know, what the, what the if it was a if it was a team that clay modeled that car if you're just trying to chase what that clay model is but with gaps, you know you're not getting it without filler. I, I don't believe it's possible. Okay, and yeah. what what would you say is an acceptable amount of filler? Um, probably at the absolute worst, like two and a half to three mil would be the absolute worst spot, and that's only going to be like a tiny area where you've made a mistake or something. You know, you just couldn't you couldn't get access to the back of the panel or or whatever it was, but you know, you should only like you should only be putting between one to maybe two mil of filler at most over like you know if you're skin coating a whole like you know skimming a whole car. I, I would say that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, you post. So you're not putting too much. Yeah. Are you? Are you? So you're a Malamotive man. Are you wiping your filler in with splines? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's, you, the, it's the best way to do it for sure. I reckon so fast. Yeah. The smoother you can get that filler in, the easier your work's gonna be, isn't it? Oh. You're just not blocking. You're not spending any time blocking. You, you wipe. You might wipe it in three times, but you know you're not wiping it in once and and block it. They're sitting there just standing. It's not as messy. You know, you're scraping most of your filler into the bin while it's still wet off the off the edge of your spline instead of you know wearing it in in dust. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's the best way. There's still the few the odd spots where 
you know, it's just not working with the spine and you've got to kick it old school. But um, I'd much rather, much rather run a spine, like, you know, run a spine over everything. Yeah. And I'm, I'm running spines in when I do my metal work as well. So, um, have you yeah, had a go? So, Malamoto product, they make the spring steel uh, extra large filler blades? Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. Thing, those things are amazing. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you... no, when, um, I, when we done the FC, Pete brought all these bag of tricks. So, um, I've seen most of it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> you posted about building a 300 SL or a 356. So, what? You got, yes. both, you got both of those in the pipeline, or what's the, what's um, the story? I think so. Um, yeah, well, so. I've, I love 300 SLs. I've, I've always loved, um, always loved the Mercedes 300 SL and, um, I've got a bit of a concept to make a two door, like a shooting brake, like a wagon, like a gold wing wagon. Um, it's never been done before. Um, I just think it would be a good business card for one. Um, so that's probably, that's probably the first one I'm going to do. Um, I've always loved the three, five, six and I've always when I posted that photo, I put the photo in my story the other day. People were just like, "Oh, yeah, you should definitely, you know, you should build one of them and, and stuff like that." And I was like, "Oh, like I do." There is like a sort of like a tutorial type program that we're looking at launching, and I was like, "Oh, maybe that could be something that I that I do through that. Like, it'd be good YouTube content, um, you know, things like that." So it's probably something that could probably be in the pipeline. Um, you know, a lot of the time it could always be, you know, you start building it and you might attract a customer that wants to take on the build. You know, you've already started. It's a good way to get, you know, get capital. Like sort of it's like it's costing me nothing to, you know, buy some aluminium or some steel and to, to sh- start shaping panels. You attract the client. They want to, you know, they've got a, they might have an old 356 shell that's, you know, sort of beat to shit and you've just created a little body panels that they, they can, you know, they pay you some money and you start your build. Um, so there's always, there's always things like that, that it, plus it's, once again, it's a cool thing to have around, you know, it attracts, you've got like the, the type of people that I am trying to build cars for or, or the type of cars that I'm trying to build. Um, they're those, those higher end, those higher end vehicles. Um, so, and, that, and that's what, like, that's what I want to be known for. I don't want to just be doing Monaros and Falcons. Like, I want to be doing Bentleys, Jags, Mercedes. Um, I'll do, like, have no problems doing Monaros and all that sort of stuff, but I want, you know, those higher-end sort of, you know, builds. Um, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Where do you see the, the future of, of coach building? Is, I, I know it's such a such a niche industry that, I know you just mentioned that you're taking on an apprentice, which is great. Do you, yeah. so you're willing to, to teach people? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so yeah, so we've, I've got a, I've got a first year apprentice starting Monday. Um, he's a, a 16 year old that's moved up, um, moved up to, from Victoria, um, from Bendigo. I only met him today. Um, he's a great kid. Um, and yeah, no, I'm definitely, I love, I love teaching. Um, like I'm all self, I'm self-taught. Like, so I taught myself how to shape metal. Um, so I think I understand how to teach someone. I think, I think I'll understand it, how to teach someone quite easily. Um, my DMs, uh, like every day, I'm constantly just answering questions of people that are, you know, 
asking, you know, what would I do here or how would you, like, you know, where would you put your TIG joint here or, you know, like what's your process of TIG welding and, you know, all this sort of like I'm con- like just message after message after message and, and then I'm getting, you know, thank you for helping me all the time and it's like, well, maybe I should, you know, look at doing that more. So we are going to do, um, we are going to do like shaping classes here in Canberra um and i will be open to flying out to a workshop to help train to train a workshop as well like even you know like another custom shop or something like that i'm happy to go and to help train you know train guys on their own tools and all that sort of stuff if if they you know they've got some guys that can make patch panels but they're not confident doing a say a full panel or something like that i'm happy to go out and you know teach them whatever i can to help better their skills um so i've got that as well as we're looking at doing yeah, a tutorial program, um, which I've got two. I've got two ideas for a tutorial program. So I'd like to do a professional like one where I'll probably build my three hundred SL out of you know aluminium or something like that, and just show the process of building that. And as I'm going through it, I'll be able to stop and talk to the camera and you know talk about reverse curves or or whatever it may be. Just show my process. It may not be for everybody but it's how I do it. And I think like, you know, it's not going to be a way or it's not going to be from a, a standpoint of like, look, I know everything and this is how you should do it because I'm the best. It's it's more like, look, this is how I do it. This is how I taught myself how to do it. It works for me. Maybe you should try it as well, you know? Um, and I think that, I think that could be helpful um, because, because I am getting so many messages from people that build cars and stuff. Um, and then I would like to do a resto program for the home builder as well, you know, like there's so many restoration groups and stuff like that on Facebook or whatever that they're always asking questions like, what's the right products? Where, like, you know, what do I do with this joint? Does this world look okay? Like, what should I run my gas at? Like all that sort of stuff. And I was thinking about, um, because I work with Aaron Forbes, I was thinking about like, hey, why don't you guys, like, well, why don't we get machinery for under $1,000? So like, you know, basic English wheel the tools we spoke of, like basic hammer and dolly, um, hammer and dolly set from them, shrink, maybe a kick shrinker stretcher, um, you know, sandbag and a mallet, and then let's make some parts. So like I might buy like a, a clapped out HR Holden or something like that, thinking maybe one side of the car I can do by whatever I can get from rare spares um, and I'll MIG weld all the panels in. So show them the right process on how to repair rust and all that sort of stuff um, on one side of the car. Then maybe on the other side I can, I'll fabricate the panels and, and look, they might want to pick up TIG welding. So I'll use a, a cheaper, a cheaper sort of TIG welder that they can get on the market and we'll, we'll, we'll make the, make the parts out of cheap tools, TIG weld them in, show them how to finish them off. So even the guys at home can build a resto. They don't have a budget, like they, they've got, you know, 30 grand to spend on their whole project. Well, but they want to do all the metal work and they'll just send, send it to a paint shop to get some body and paint done. Well, then I can show them how to do, you know, all of that, all the way up to body work, and then they send it to get some a lick of coat, a coat of paint chucked on or something. So um, that's the idea. Um, I've just got to find the time now to pull it off. <laughs> Nothing like starting a new business and trying to throw something else in the mix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I sort of, I think there's a hole in the market there for that. You know, um, we pay we pay money for Netflix and Stan and all the rest of it. So I think. You know, and, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, make a million dollars out of it or anything, but I was like, if I can maybe produce two videos a month 
you know, 20 bucks a month or something like that, $15 a month. Um, and it's actually going to help like people. Cause like we watch, you know, as car people, you know, you watch the bullshit on TV. Like you, you still watch those shows, even though you don't like them, you know, that they're doing dodgy stuff or whatever it would be. Yeah. But you still watch it because we just love cars. But if you can watch something like a TV show, but like a tutorial program where you're actually going to be able to take it to the shed and you're going to learn something. Well, I think it's something that car guys will pay for, you know, so. Yeah, I obviously know a lot of people in the industry over here and I know a lot of panel beaters that would be um, 100% interested in that. They want to, Yeah. there's not a lot yeah. of, like I said at the start, there's not a lot of people willing to teach the skills no. that you have. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think, and like I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'll tell everybody anything, I've got nothing to hide, you know. Um, I think the world's like, I think it's abundant, you know, like I don't think we have to fight for customers or anything like that. And you know, I've, I've always sort of had the mentality that, like, you know, if you want to, if someone else wants to have a crack and they want to, you know, be like, you know, oh, I want to be as good as you or whatever it may be, it's like, well, go, go for it, you know, because the reality is if they're asking me for help, I'm already, like, I'm probably already above their level anyway, so they're going to have to push to get to me where people would, like, people don't understand that if someone's asking you a question, they might, like, they're, they're probably already further behind you in, in skill level and stuff. So you don't have to be worried about that guy. Like they're not taking your job, um, you know, so help them out, like help them get to that level, you know, and you yourself should be continuing to get to a higher level again. So like, you know, that person asking you a question should technically always be chasing you. So you shouldn't be worried about helping someone out, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm happily to tell everyone anything I've got. Um, yeah. And then again, I'm, I'm also, I'm always asking questions of people. So I don't know. I don't who, know. who's someone that you can lean on in the industry as as someone that you can ask questions to? Um, I, as far as like actually like when it comes to sort of coach building type things, I don't. It's not a whole lot of. I don't do a whole lot of it anymore. Um, it was more like for me, it was more when I was like looking at starting the business. You know, there was a couple of. I've got a couple of friends like um, like Dean Fono. Um, I think he's got Pro Touring Fabrication. I think his shop name is um, Handmade Metalcraft. Um, Brad Redford from um, he's in Victoria. You know, they're they're young guys that have like single sort of like single shoulder guy shops that they've started out. You know, they they are the young fellas. So I talk a lot with you know, same as um automotive craftsmen up in um up in Queensland. You know, so there's just young guys like that that I that I mainly just more talk to i don't really like I'm, I'm i'm at a point where i don't really need to i'll just go out and find find what i need to learn i don't really need to ask heaps of questions anymore um but you know i chat to um south end metalcraft the guys um they've got a tutorial program um that i subscribe to you know like so i still subscribe to stuff like that um you know i talk to those guys um both peter and toby um and then there's um, Cornfield Custers, Mike Wagner in um, in the states. I talk to a bit as well, you know. Um, yeah, it's Mike, always nice to just. Mike's booked yeah. in to come on the show as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, he seems. I've never like you know met him, but I've talked to him for Instagram on Instagram and stuff for years, and and he seems like a great guy. You know, um, he's always willing to help out. He's always recommending people to check out my work and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, he's another one who offers uh, training courses as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I might wrap it up there, Aiden. I I really appreciate you coming on. I understand it's a 
it's a hectic time for you at the moment. You're starting yeah, a business. No, you're right. I'm, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. Um, it, no, it's good to be on. I, it is actually one of the shorter ones that I've done, to be honest. Um, I usually ramble on forever. So, um, yeah, no, it's good to come on. No, that's cool. Um, maybe we could do it again one day if you yeah, got... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I'm happy once I, you know, get rolling, get more cars in the shop and, you know, I'm happy to come on. Yeah, whenever, let us know. Yeah, we'll touch base. Sounds good. Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks, mate. You're right. No worries, man. See ya. See ya.